Exactly as Sepiso said earlier on, it's generosity. We always say that God enables us, you know, God will provide. Yeah, He's going to provide through you, through me. That's how it happens. It's not just a magical thing you pray and it's going to land on your lap, although God can do anything. He can do that too. That was the Lesotho video. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about uh, what, we, what we did there. You know, first of all, it was a super humbling experience to be in Lesotho. We were without all the amenities that we would take for granted here, besides electricity, so load shedding wasn't a thing for us while we were there. But there were many other things that we would be able to say we are grateful for, like washing your, your hands. Okay, those are the kind of things that we had to uh, cope with. But, I mean, why should it be any different for us when there are thousands of people who live like that every day? And they can cope. They know how to do it. We were the plebs. <laughs> they suffer from uh, alcoholism. Uh, that's, that's a thing in Lesotho, teenage pregnancy. Uh, perceptions regarding being a villager. So the, it's so beautiful, the mountains and everything, it's just so amazing, but that is lost in them when you don't have access to good education. Okay, and they do, the teenagers understand that they are missing out on that. And I think any teenager, in any case, there's this disparity with who is earning well and who isn't earning well and everyone in between. But we can change so much if we work together. And I pray that we will be able to do that with Lesotho because it's close enough to be overseas, but um, further enough to be overseas, sorry, that's what I mean, but close enough to be right at our doorstep. South Africa surrounds Lesotho. So in essence, let us also surround Lesotho. Oh, Maruti Peter. Pete came with us. He did, you know, he was the only uh, rose among the thorns. Sorry, girls. <laughs> He really helped us out. I really have so, so much respect for him because he also turned the culture, cultural put on its head there because women do not carry water in Lesotho. But he did. He carried that water. Whoa, he carried it. He was red in his face by the time he came. <laughs> but he carried that water for us. So we thank you, Pete. Uh, we also have another team there at the moment. Um, Fred Stewart, Marie Claire, Dan and Ray are there, and Fred sent me this message. They're busy with the construction that they're trying to complete. He said this. Uh, we all healthy and safe. God organized perfect weather, no rain, so the work is going on as planned. We finished the main frame of the biggest roof and is about halfway with the second frame of the smaller roof. Blessings. Let's I also want to thank the support team who helped us. The quiz evening, the fundraising stuff. We had a wonderful time for quiz night. We don't have pictures of that, so if you want to see a recap of that, you need to come for the next quiz. <laughs> yes. I also want to mention Carl, who is our governmental elder for missions, and uh, his wife Jenny, who weren't able to join us for the Lesotho trip, but they gave us the wheels to go. <laughs> so, I think most of you know already, I'm the missions coordinator for Synergy in Mission. It is our group collective that, we, uh, that uh, comprises of many different uh, mission 
initiatives that belong in our church. So I am just a representative, and I have a big mouth. That's why I'm here. <laughs> we are focusing on discipleship. Most of the things that we work on uh, is, is focused on discipleship because it's, it's a big thing. And also, everyone is an active participant. So it's not that we are just gathering and we are uh, talking about how evangelism should happen. We are doing evangelism, and you are part of that. You need to be a part of that. It's not just the Synergy in Mission team's prerogative. It's your prerogative. You're a Christian. This is what, you, what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. Thank you. Oh, yeah. My name is Sharon Stephen. <laughs> I'm also very delighted to have my in-laws here today, visiting from Ladysmith. There they are over there. They didn't know that I'm preaching today. Yeah. Surprise, exactly. <laughs> and Roscoe, who is part of the Barnabas team, is my husband, this handsome guy over here. And I just want to say, most of the people that are on, this, on the Synergy and Mission team, Roscoe, myself, we are volunteers, and we work, we work because it's the work of the Lord. We want, to, we want to see change. We want to see our communities benefit from Christians. So please, we only need six volunteers for the banquet war. <laughs> only six. I'll leave that with you. <laughs> Please click a work today. Ah, there we go. Let's see if we're going to go to the next one. Okay, before we do that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, glory be to your wonderful and holy name, Lord Jesus. I just want to say thank you for this opportunity, Father. I thank you for the opportunity to assemble, to give um, praise to your holy name, to worship you, Lord. I thank you for your presence in our lives, whether we feel it or not, Lord Jesus. That's what the song said. I just say, hallelujah, hallelujah, holy, 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 and thank you. Thank you. Not just for the Rugby World Cup victory, Heavenly Father. That just lasts four years. We have eternity with you in Jesus' name. I pray for open hearts. I pray for the words that come out of my mouth, Lord Jesus. Remove all ego. Remove my pride. Remove vanity as much as possible, Lord Jesus. I don't hold on to any of those things. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that everything that is said today, whatever we learn, Lord Jesus, that will translate into action the minute we walk out these doors, I ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm so delighted that I get to preach on this. The very, very last letter that Paul wrote. We are not sure of the exact date that this was written, but we do know not long after this, Paul was executed. He died. Let's just appreciate this photo for a moment. He was in this while he was writing the letter to Timothy. Let's get into the word. 
Um, I want to say thank you to, to Naza Imo. Your Bible is here, and it's going to be put to good use, <laughs> as long as it stays on this table. But if you want it, you're welcome to come and get it. I do have mine, but I thought, okay, yours got bigger writing, so I'm going to use yours. We're reading from verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I love, I love it from verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Amen. God's word is so beautiful. It really is. There are three aspects in this text that we are going to focus on. I've called it the charge, focusing on 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 2. The challenge verses three to five, and the crown, verses six to eight. Let's go through the charge. Reading one more time. In the presence of God and of Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Paul begins this solemn and enormously important declaration to Timothy. These are promises actually that are highlighting the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. The mention of Christ's role as the judge of both the living and the dead highlights the accountability that we all will face, and with this emphasis, underscoring the gravity of the following verses, we can understand that this is the introduction of Paul's resignation letter. He's handing over the keys to his station to this man. In the darkest dungeon reserved for those who are heading for execution, right, He's busy writing to the young man who has been he has been mentoring to take his place. Okay? You have to wonder what, what was Timothy thinking? The posture of Timothy, knowing that he was going to fill the shoes of a man who had been stoned, flogged, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, and many other things that he had survived. He had learned to be content in all circumstances. 
the knowledge of Christ was so deep and entrenched in Paul that the dire circumstances that he was in just drew him closer. He wanted to be with the Lord. Our Lord who is called Everlasting Father, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. He wanted this priceless joy for Timothy. He is saying to Timothy, look, I assure you, the God I am working for, he's going to take care of you as you have witnessed him take care of me. You have just have to follow the instructions, my instructions. Do everything the way I taught you and you'll be a made man. Those who like mafia analogies will understand what that is. And also, this life is fleeting. The Lord Jesus is in charge of this realm and is in charge of the next. So stick to the plan and carry on the work of the gospel that you are so capable of doing. We give our most treasured and cherished items, possessions to the ones we love, don't we? He gave Timothy the authority of his knowledge of Christ. Can anything be more precious than that? Can anything be more precious than everlasting life? Here's the instruction. Preach the word. If you're familiar with the Greek, Paul is saying, carries on ton logon, okay? Preach the logos. And if you know, I'm, I'm like, logos, to those of us who have had some theological training, says, means actually Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's saying preach Jesus. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage. With, patient, with patience and careful instruction. Careful instruction actually means sound doctrine, okay? With what is in the Bible, nothing needs to replace what is in the Word of God. In season and out of season, when times are good and when times are bad. Like right now for Paul. Be on the lookout for every opportunity to preach Jesus, whether you are facing celebration or persecution. Be sure to exercise complete patience and sound doctrine. Correct Christians, rebuke Christians, and encourage Christians. Very important to remember that these instructions are for us, it's for the church. Whether you, are, whether you actually attend services or not, I'm talking to you, those of you that are online. We should be grateful for the ministers in our lives who are able to correct, rebuke, and encourage us. Not just one of these things, they must do all of them. In fact, this is how you can detect, or how you can, how you can recognize, how you recognize good teachers. But you must also be teachable. You need to have a spirit to be able to be taught, okay? And then you must be able to accept rebuke, accept correction. Accept encouragement. Okay, sometimes I'm not patient, right? So I, I mean, especially with my children, they will know it more than anything else, not you all. I'm nice to you all. <laughs> but they have to. They have to accept 
my rebuke and my correction and my encouragement. And it's a lot more difficult to do it with someone who doesn't know you, right? I mean, you could look at me and say, no, I'm not going to accept any rebuke from Sharon. Who does she think she is? I see a lot of, I hear a lot of silence, so you can, I'm obviously speaking the truth. I've experienced the same thing as well. I mean, I'm, a, I'm human. I, the transformation of Christ, in, of my life through Christ, is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. So we also need to be patient with those who are not ready to accept our rebuke or our correction or our encouragement. But please, for those of us that are in teaching roles or preaching roles, whatever the case may be, please remember you have a duty. Yesterday, uh, someone found piece of coriander in my, <laughs> in my hair. And I was so grateful that they took it out, you know. We can do that for each other without, um, you know, it can be discreet. It doesn't have to be public. Rebuke does not have to be public. Correction does not have to be public. And you most certainly do not need to tell everybody about it. Any servant of the Lord must be able to confront you when you are doing something unchristlike. That same servant of the Lord must be able to rebuke you and not and that same minister must also encourage and we must do this patiently and with love. Church history mentions that Timothy went on to lead the church in Ephesus and somewhere around the age of 80 he was beaten by some church members for opposing some of their new idolatrous practices. The truth hurt, so they killed him. Please don't kill me. <laughs> the truth hurts sometimes, friends, but because we have the word, the Logos, the Lord Jesus, who is the truth, we also have life through the word, by the Logos, in Jesus. Come on, man. Where's the amens? Yeah. Hi, 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 hi. You know what, Tippy, so you're onto something there. <laughs> Let's think about this handover. It's a huge handover from Paul to Timothy. Big, 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 big. Let's move over to the challenge. And that's from verses 3 to 5. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. End your hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I love that last part. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Like a gun. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> There's this tone of foresight here that Paul is speaking in. He experienced resistance and because people are people, even after they receive the gospel, they may revert to their lives of unchrist likeness to their lives of sin. And because misery loves company, they will recruit people who, who share the same ideologies and then to validate 
their unchristlikeness. They will elevate teachings that glorify their egos and their selfish agendas. We can see it happening right now. You can see it. Think podcasts, please. Let me listen to this podcast and then let me share it with all my friends because this guy said something really interesting about this particular topic that I am already very conflicted on that is being mentioned at church. So you don't discuss it with the people at church or the leadership at church. You go and recruit people that share the same views as you and you make your own little misery party. It's not okay to do that. You can, you can have disagreements. You can be conflicted with stuff. But discuss it in church so that you are able to be rebuked. You can be corrected. You can be encouraged. Just let's work in silos, people, please. History does repeat itself, and in every age of church history, you can map out the times that the bride of Christ has lost her way. We have, but we must come together. We must come together. Many denominations are working together now. I must let you know that there's, we all, we understand that we need to know, we need to work together, especially in small towns. The, the competitiveness between churches, it needs to end. How will we fight Marxism, transgenderism, other religions that are a lot more aggressive than us, and I don't want to mention any names in case we get kicked off YouTube or whatever, but you know what I'm talking about, right? How are we going to do that if there are factions? We have to work together. It's not for us, it's for our children. In fact, for those who enjoy the eschatology aspect of the scriptures, go and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll give you a moment to write that down. Paul is talking about the role the church will have during the end times. That's what eschatology means. This is a good exercise for you considering all the hype regarding the conflict in the Middle East at the moment. I thought I'd just make a mention because it's all everyone's speaking about. It's very annoying. <laughs> and we're talking about things that affect the witness of Christians not even touching on the issues plaguing the world that we are supposed to counter, not mimic. We become, we become so obsessed with things that really don't, doesn't matter. You cannot, we do not have crystal balls in front of us. This has told us everything. Everything. Beginning, middle, and end. You, don't need, you do not need the news to tell you that. Am I going back? Yes. Paul is saying to Timothy, my boy, don't fold. Remain focused on the goal. Take the punches when they come. Absorb the pain and move along swiftly. Persist at your task of preaching Jesus. Complete every aspect of your ministry. Preach Jesus. Correct. Rebuke. Encourage with complete patience and sound doctrine. I cannot repeat that enough. I mean, I hope it's ingrained in your, in your minds. You write it in big capital letters in your notes, please. 
I'm reminded that the disciples and the Apostle Paul had the Old Testament scrolls and the actual witness of Jesus during their ministries. Mark and Luke, were, who were scribes, had the eyewitness statements of the disciples, perhaps Mary as well. And of course, the Apostle Paul's testimony. We have it all in these pages. We have the truth. And now we have it on, on, on our phones. We have it available online. Painstakingly recorded for us. People died so we could have these scriptures. And all you have to do to understand it is read it diligently and ask God to help you. And if you feel you need more direction, you can ask any of the servants of the Lord here to help you understand this Logos, this word, this Jesus, not the Jesus that the world wants you to believe, not the Jesus that Islam wants you to believe, or any other religion. This deconstruction thing, is it called deconstruction, dear? It's crazy, guys. We need to pray for our young people. We need to pray for our young people. Young people, please. Nadine and the four dwarfs. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw your face. Nadine was in our tent at the ladies' camp. Sorry, I just saw a squirrel and I'm walking past now. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, you know, Nadine is a young person who who has only been at our church for about two months, okay? And we connected, and she connected with everybody in our tent. And we were all different, different ages and all of that. It's very important, you need to put down our defenses, especially us that are, and I believe that I am, okay, I'm a mature Christian, but I'm not as mature as Auntie Doris. Auntie Doris, is, uh, uh, when she prays and fire comes out, so I'm still getting there. But my point is, we need to engage with each other on different levels. Young people, I'm telling you also, please don't just think that we are over 40 and we can't take you down. I will take you down. <laughs> but with love and sound doctrine. And I learn from people as well. On the mission trip, Eleanor introduced me to uh, the new King James Version. <laughs> We must learn from each other. It's a beautiful thing to be in community with people that love you. Let us hear Jesus being preached. Let us be corrected, be rebuked, and be encouraged with complete patience and sound doctrine. Read your Bible and study Jesus, friends, so you are not the one turning to myths. The goal is to be persecuted. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I am joking, but I'm smiling, but I'm actually quite serious. Because, look, there are people in China right now, as you and I are sitting, who are being persecuted for this. We are spoiled here. And look how much favor you got. God gave us the trophy last night. Can they even celebrate sports like this in China? I don't even think so. Well... I don't know if they'll ever have a team in the Rugby World Cup after all. That'll be odd. Even India, an Indian rugby team. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, if we do not read our Bible, if we do not spend time in study, if we do not spend time in prayer, we will fall for anything. 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 
This is not a sad text, guys. It really isn't. There's a huge shift in the apostle's tone here. There's no emotional pleading as one would expect from someone who's facing what he's facing. No remorse, absolutely no regret. There's no regret here. Oh, I wish I did this, or I wish I did that, or I shouldn't have hurt that person. Oh, please extend my apologies, nothing. There's an anticipation here, an excitement. Tone is everything, eh? Let's read it one more time. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Amen. Here is a slave of the Lord, alone in a dark, dingy cell, and he is keeping the mood light with the confidence of knowing, the confidence of knowing that his end is near. He is delighting himself with the reality of his reward. And if you read further to the end of the letter, his mind is on the people who have made an impact in his life. He is wishing people well and forgiving people who harmed him, making peace with those outside. May we all know that peace, not only when we are at the end, today. May we know that peace today. We are very fortunate to be able to read these letters today. There are many thousands of Christians who have perished in prisons and we will never know their names. We will see them in heaven, though, with their crowns. This is what I'm, I'm saying, you know. It's either myths or persecution. Just, uh, someone said to me on Friday when I mentioned that I was going to be preaching on this text, and he said, oh, yeah, well, that's actually uh, a picture of what's ahead for Christianity, for Christians. It is. It is. People are already being persecuted in the West for being Christian. Let us not be ignorant of it happening. It could one day happen to us. Let us pray for those that are suffering right now, please. We will also see the Apostle Paul, the man who fought the good fight, who finished the race and kept the faith. Quiet courage accepting the events that have led up to this point. The first Mission Sunday in February this year, my message was on Saul's conversion in Acts 7. That was the beginning of Paul's ministry as the instrument of our Lord. Now for the last Mission Sunday of the year, I get to share a message that touches on the end of his ministry. It's a privilege for me, a full circle moment for Paul and I. I titled the sermon The Victory Lap because in his final letter to Timothy, Paul is saying there is nothing to fear in this world, my boy. He is saying to his protege, endure hardship and still do your work. And he's saying this while he is enduring hardship and still doing his work. We all know that he is facing execution 
Yet he never mentions the word death here. He uses the words offering and departure. I'm going to tell you why. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. Very quick. As it's already there, so we'll read it. <laughs> Reading from verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come to pass. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's too beautiful. So simple. This man isn't sitting in his cell wringing his Sorry, it's a little bit of a... Wringing his wrists. He was patiently enduring his suffering in victory. In victory. Suffering in victory. Wow. This is the purpose of the gospel. Victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This was Paul's reality, and it is our reality, because of the revelation of the Logos, the Word. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he wanted the world to know this victory. We all have access to this word to be charged, to be challenged, and to be crowned. This is not a three-point sermon, I'm just saying that. <laughs> Second Timothy 4 is intended for servants of the Lord who are in active ministry, including volunteers like me and many others, but it's also for all of us to know what to expect and how to be treated by servants of the Lord. You can also correct, rebuke, and encourage, but please know the word. Know the word. Sure, I didn't expect my sermon to be so short. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, in closing, the relationship with, between Paul and the man he had raised spiritually to move the church forward. This was a friendship that developed over years between two very different individuals. Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jewish and had taught Timothy the Old Testament scriptures. They heard Paul preach Jesus. Okay? It's very significant. They were present and they heard Paul preach Jesus. And they believed. And that is how Timothy and Paul began their mentorship. Discipleship is so important and it is so needed in our homes, people. We need it. Let us not usher our children into believing nonsense. We can only do so much. We can only do so much. Parents, it's so important. 
for a time. We are responsible for them receiving sound doctrine. And then what they do after that time is up to them. We can only pray and ask God to please have mercy on our children so they are able to understand the value of this in their lives. We need to build the next generation into the enduring, tough-skinned, and teachable Christians who will be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's not just for sports. This is life. It's a battle. Are we giving our children exactly what they need to fight it? On, uh, uh, on Sunday, when we came back from the ladies' retreat, which was amazing, but I don't have the privilege of telling you all about that. The right person will do that. When I came back, I had no Wi-Fi or anything, and uh, I didn't know what was going on at home. Not to say that I didn't want to, but uh, when I got home and I saw, okay, some furniture is not there, and uh, the curtain is gone, and then Roscoe said, there was a fire at home. And like, how did this happen? And he said, Tanner got burned. And then, and then he explained to me what happened. He said there was a candle. Obviously, there was a power outage that entire weekend. So Tanner was, uh, had a candle and um, burning, and then he went to go and, I think, put the gas stove on to make popcorn. Am I wrong? Water, okay? Water to boil. And then he, he the, the dog, Chase the cat. <laughs> and in that moment, the curtain caught a flame. And this boy, not calling anyone, Roscoe was upstairs, the, children, the other two girls were around somewhere. So Tanner took a wet cloth and he started dosing, dosing the flames, trying to, and he, in that moment, got burnt with the wet cloth. Now, my son looks exactly like my husband. He's very handsome. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't hit his face. I'm, I would have been even better if it didn't happen at all. But anyway, he cried. He cried bitterly because how am I going to the, 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 remove the marks from the wall? The curtain is gone, this, that, and the other. But at least he knew how to put the fire out. He did call Roscoe eventually because I think you got a bit overwhelmed and everything, but the shock of it all. I just hate to imagine if Roscoe wasn't there or if, it was, if the gas was actually on or, you know, or something like that. We need to give the, our children the tools to fight fires, to put fires out, to recognize danger, not only in our homes, like those practical things. I mean, the spiritual things, it's so important. Please do not underestimate your power over the, the authority that we have over our children spiritually. Because when things go awry, and they will, you want them to call, Daddy, help me. Mommy, help me. And, then, and it, it, you know, and technology is not a good thing for them, guys. If you, even if they're teenagers, you know what? I don't feel anything but taking the phone away from my teenagers. You don't need it. I dare, I dare any parents to come and tell me <laughs> any difference. I think on that note, I'm going to call the worship team up.
while they are getting ready, I want you to focus on the journey that Paul was preparing Timothy for. That journey is true for many Christians all over the world who are determined to share the gospel with others and with edifying the church. There is a cost to our faith and we have all the power and the authority through the Holy Spirit to preach Jesus to our families, friends, and situations. Spend this time praying for the strength to take your faithful obedience further. And if you have never accepted Christ as your savior, or you want to surrender your life, re-surrender your life to our Lord, please have courage and come up to some of our leaders who will be lined up to encourage you with prayer.